On today's episode of the Wanderings of Wool Gathering podcast, Metalhead Monday is back. We go over rhythm sections, a star is born, and showbiz pizza? Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, Episode 9. That's right, folks. Your ears did not deceive you. Episode 9. And you know what that means. This one is destined to go in the annals of greatness that comes with the number 9. Gordy Howe, Mr. Hockey, wore number 9. Gretzky loved it so much, he wore two of them. There were nine members in the Fellowship of the Ring. There are nine planets. Yes, nine because Pluto is a planet. Fight me. There are nine major gods and goddesses in Egyptian mythology, and I'm pretty sure I could eat nine sliders if I went to White Castle. So, without further ado, I bring you what I believe to be a worthy addition to the majesty of the number nine. So join us for episode nine as we wander and gather wool. I'm Foggy, and with me as always are T-Bags. Hey guys, how's it going? And JPP. Hey, what's happening? I will not hang out with you if you eat those nine sliders. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure I could eat them though if I wanted to. Yeah, well, you know, you can keep so you can stay in that room, all right? <laughs> it's a good thing we're not uh, recording in the same room together. That's right. And we are excited because we're bringing back our guest from last week, Metalhead Mundy. Welcome back. Thank you. Hello again, everybody. Hey. Everybody have a good weekend? Yeah. <laughs> Super busy. That was good. Exactly. But it's uh, I'm looking forward to the podcast to say the least. Did anyone actually have any fun this weekend? Um, <laughs> and don't hold back. Yeah, everyone. I did actually. It was my wife's birthday, so. Oh, happy birthday to her! Yeah, I'll tell her. All right, fellas, <clears throat> let's kick off the show with the weekly challenge. And uh, last week, our guest Metalhead came up with the challenge. So, uh, Jeremy, do you want to go ahead and remind us about that challenge? Sure. Uh, it was basically pretty straightforward. Uh, I'm a huge fan of keeping the low end together, keeping the song moving along, live music. I love bass and drums together. So I was really interested to know what everybody's favorite rhythm section was. Awesome. JPP, you want to kick us off? Yeah, I can do that. I I, uh, I haven't talked to Monday at all on this, so I'm curious if we may encounter some overlap and this choice was kind of narrowed between two. You know, I take that back, three, but I'm going to go with my top pick, and then I will I will give two honorable mentions, but because, uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, you know, a disciple of Teabag's rules when it comes to uh, the challenges. <laughs> my rhythm <laughs> section choice was uh, basically Jerry Gaskell and Doug Pinnock from King's X. I had the pleasure... Of seeing those guys live back in 2002 or 2003 at a little venue that's no longer uh, open called the patio down in Indianapolis and uh, for those who may have ever been there it's a tiny place probably lucky to pack a hundred people in in the building and King's X brought an arena sized rig to this place knocked <laughs> oh, my wow. socks off yeah oh yeah Doug had two or three base mm-hmm. cabinets uh, filled with 215s, 215-inch speakers in each cabinet, so it was just woof. Uh, completely solid, and if you've ever heard King's X, they are a three-piece, much like Rush. Uh, they definitely maximized the sound with the limited personnel, and those two just really kept it in the pocket all night long. So 
uh, plus two, their their years of history of playing uh, definitely lends to, um, the, you know, just the, the, I guess, the experience they've had together. So it's just really tight. So, yeah, man, that's uh, that's my, my top pick. My honorable mentions uh, is certainly Frank Bello and Charlie Benante of Anthrax, just because they, they're actually uh, related. They're like an uncle-nephew duo, and so they've had years of history together, and that certainly helps lend to their cause and always fun to watch frank is all over the place when he's playing and you know he doesn't use a pick so it's just all fingers and just rock solid with charlie uh the last pick i went a little underground but it was brad divins and shannon larkin from wrath child america or souls at zero depending what era of uh of the band that you happen to catch them and the reason i picked them uh just as far as like a consideration was if you heard any of wrath child america stuff they definitely played with a lot of different styles they put some funk metal a little bit of classical and some jazz in the tunes and uh they just transitions bang 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 and never never faltered uh never had the pleasure of seeing them live but just in the recordings and just what little youtube videos i've been able to see i was always impressed so i'll stop talking now that's my answer that's great nicely done <laughs> teabags you want to weigh in yeah sure um i i don't know that anybody can really top billy bob and duke from the rock of fire explosion <laughs> i don't know if you guys are familiar with the showbiz pizza <laughs> oh yes <laughs> oh i've been there <laughs> yes i mean no um it was this was an easy one for me like as soon as jeremy said it last week i was like i know who this is for me and um, that would be Justin Chancellor and Danny Carey from Tool. Nice. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think that, well, obviously, if you just listen to their music, you can, you can understand how good they are. But also, two points to that are, one, it's super complex when you dig into it. Paul, you can probably speak more to the complexity of what they're pulling off mm-hmm. um, as far as, like, time signatures and stuff like that. But um, then to see them live... It's a, it's one thing to be able to do it and do it in the studio and get a good take, and it's another thing to just flawlessly do it live. And seeing them, and there was I don't know that there was ever a bad note throughout the whole band, and that band seems to operate like four super talented musicians, almost doing their own thing, but you know coming together to make a song. And so, uh, you know, this might be my shortest answer ever. Tool. <laughs> what? There you go. You're done. I know. Yes. No, I mean, no honorable mention. The Rock of Fire Explosion was my <laughs> honorable mention. Yeah, so, I mean, Duke LaRural, who has a name like that? Actually, I, T-Bags and I had a little bit of a personality swap over the weekend, and so... <laughs> That's right. It's a little Freaky Friday type action. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned um, the Showbiz Pizza Band. What about Emmett Otter's Jug Band? I mean, or the, you know, oh my gosh, the River Bottom Christmas Nightmare Band. movie ever. Well, I, I couldn't even mention them because, you know, they're, they're too good. So I didn't want to be unfair. <laughs> good enough. Yeah. I've been putting it out there for years. I want to start a band and I want to play the jug. So if anybody is uh, willing to join me in my endeavor, you got yourself a jug band right here. I have a recommendation. Nope. Plenty of chapstick. <laughs> I was a big fan of the Darlins from uh, Andy Griffith. Yeah, that, I've got that my actually Star is my Wars rhythm water. section. I've got my Star Wars water cup. <laughs> there we go. I am trying to close this portal I've opened. <laughs> so. Go on. Uh, all right, Stevie. All right. Well, 
<clears throat> Any guesses? <laughs> what he's picked? <laughs> well, maybe you'll be surprised. I don't know. Okay. So, yeah, it, it. it felt like I was being spoon-fed last week by Jeremy, and people on the show are... Bit of a layup. Prepared, per, shouldn't be preparing to go to work tomorrow with the amount of booze <laughs> they're going to be drinking. But no, I'm just kidding. So <clears throat> I started thinking about, you know, people I liked and and um, really gr- good bassists and drummers. And uh, I came up with this. Uh, I looked at this. And I'm like, this group has 24 gold records, 14 platinum records, and three multi-platinum records. How could they not be on my list? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's actually Rush. Of course, and so um, I was gonna I was gonna go a different route, and I thought it'd be fun uh, to pick you know Slipknot because they've got a drummer and and two guys who stand on the edge of the stage and play a keg, and um, they had a great uh, bassist Paul Gray who passed away a couple of years. So I actually considered talking about that, but if you're gonna be like completely serious in all this, it's really hard to pass up Rush. Even people who don't like Rush have to respect the ability of Getty Lee on bass and um, and even on keyboards, because he did so much together. And, of course, you know, Neil Peart was, I think, to all of us, probably the, the drummer of our generation, the Buddy Rich of, you know, previous generations. Um, it's really hard to argue against that. And these guys were just such technicians um, of music you know, you think about like jam bands and people just get out there and do it. That's not them. I mean, they were so technical and crisp and they intended everything that they made to be challenging. So when they played live, everything was challenging all the time. Um, and the, the other cool thing I found about that I like about Rush is, you know, they started off and they were just this crazy progressive heavy metal band. And then they went to this phase where they were just telling these epic stories through songs like, uh, 2112, um, Cygnus X1, parts one and two, or books one and two, um, and then a, a, a song about a poem, uh, Xanadu. And then they move over and they start hitting this synth movement, and you get things like subdivisions. Um, and of course, you know, I don't want to gloss over Tom Sawyer, but that's sort of what everybody knows about Rush, and that's not nearly one of my favorite songs, although it is a great example of the two of them working together. Um, but what I, uh, I was actually talking to T-Bags before the show started, and if you go through their albums and you look at some of their instrumentals, you really see where these two shine. Um, there's some songs, um, even off newer stuff, you usually think of Rush as great in the, in the 70s and early 80s, but even as, uh, you know, recent as Snakes and Arrows, uh, they've got a song called malignant narcissism and man it's got the coolest bass grooves and drums that accompany that um and counterparts in the 90s has leaves that thing alone it's so good um those two working together are just amazing and they even touch on reggae there's a song um on signals uh back in the 80s called digital man and it's got this cool reggae flair but the uh the bass line is just insane so the two of them working together is amazing and then my final thing I would say is when they hit the synth movement, and they really got heavy into that with songs like Subdivisions, you know, Getty, the bassist, takes over and plays a lot of the synth. So the interesting thing is Alex Lifeson, who's their lead guitarist, steps in and becomes part of the rhythm section with Neil. So 
the three of them producing so much music and the way that they work together. Um, for me, I just, you know, I wanted to do something different so people in the show wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, he's going to choose Rush. Well, sorry, I had to choose Rush because they're Rush. So that's my answer. They are worthy. Well, what's cool is the fact that, you know, it's not just a, a one-word answer, Rush, okay, bye. I mean, you expand upon your justification for that. And so that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the beautiful part of it. And much like I know Tony's, um, you know, love for, for the band Tool uh, certainly um, – you know, kind of gives the same reasoning too. I mean, he can go in and, and give those expanded answers as to why he selects that, and you know, that's that's the the awesome part. I mean, we have favorite bands for a reason, and you know, mm-hmm. there's there's something that we gravitate to. So I'm not going to hate on you for that at all. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I think there's a cool. There, I wouldn't say there's a real connection between Rush and Tool because they're so very different, but there's just such a precision in the way that they play their instruments that I think there is kind of a connection between the two. Um, which yeah. I think is really cool. I can't speak for Rush's. I know Rush certainly had uh, <laughs> quite the work ethic when it came to practicing, arranging, and writing the tunes. But uh, I know with Tool, they're extremely meticulous. Mm-hmm. Uh, M- Maynard was on Joe Rogan's podcast a while back, and he was asking him questions about it. And that's why Maynard dabbles in so many things, because those three guys go off in the lab and just regurgitate and write and re- revise and cycle through the material mm-hmm. until they feel like they've got it just right. And then Maynard will come in and check in here and there and start writing on top of it once he knows that they've got a particular segment of it in the bag, because he doesn't want to have to redo that work. Work. So, um, you know, in a way, Tool is kind of a three-piece in that regard, and he just kind of comes in and embellishes it later. True. Good point. I will say, you, you know, you talk about <clears throat> with Tool the length of time it takes for them to make a record. They made mm-hmm. 2112 in like two weeks or something insane. Um, wow. Which is, what we know, at the time was one of their biggest things. And they actually went on tour and played it in its entirety, which was mm-hmm. awesome. Um but they did, after they would make some of those songs, they would realize that there were some things they could do better. And they would improvise in the studio, correct it, and then go out and play it in a new way. Mm-hmm. And I think the only thing that they, the only song really um, that they didn't do that much with was Tom Sawyer. And I think Neil said at one time they made one small change. But other than that, it was perfect. It was challenging. Um, and he loved mm-hmm. playing it live because of that. Very cool. That's nice. cool. And that, the idea of like, some things that take a long time and sometimes you just, you know, strike gold within, within a couple of weeks or whatever. But they say that art, you know, the hardest part of art is knowing when to stop. And <laughs> I mean, that's the truth. I mean, with when you're talking about painting or whatever, you can always dabble a little too much and then take it in a different direction. So I think all of the artists that we're talking about, we're still waiting to hear Jeremy's answer, but you know, are probably people that are technical perfectionists and probably struggle with, okay, is that, is this the final take? Is this what we're, <laughs> is this what we're going to put out there? So uh, you know, it's hard being an artist, I'd imagine. All right, Jeremy. What does the metalhead have? Well, let me say, uh, all of your answers were fantastic. Uh, I love Tool. Uh, Rush is, you know, not super high on my list. I definitely appreciate them, and I I, I like them. I don't dislike them. They're, I'm just not that into them. Uh, I love the technical <laughs> proficiency of those two bands. Um what the three bands that Paul talked about are amazing. Anthrax is actually my favorite band of all time. Uh, I mm-hmm. have an Anthrax tattoo on my leg, so of course I love Frank and Charlie. Um, and 
Doug Pinnock is awesome. He's a fantastic bass player. He's a outstanding vocalist. That is King's X is an awesome band. If you're not familiar, I would recommend finding them. They're they're great. They're still kicking. Still producing great music. Wrathchild, America, and Souls at Zero are basically the same band. Awesome. Also one of my favorites. I wish they would have lasted longer than they did. Because I still, they just kept getting angrier and angrier. And it's sounding better and better. So, love all those choices. For me, like I said, I love the technical proficiency. But when I think about a rhythm section, what I come back to more often than not is groove. I love a solid kick-ass groove, <laughs> just getting in the yeah. pocket and staying there. So who I went with is uh, Mr. Tim Comerford and Mr. Brad Wilk from Rage Against the Machine yes. and Audio Slave. Very nice. 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 Love yeah. those guys. And, <clears throat> you know, when Killing in the Name... That was, I think, everybody's first taste of them, of Rage, and man, what, what, what a first taste. That's the, you know, like they always say, they give you the first taste for free and you got to come back and pay for more, and boy, they had me hook, line, and sinker, so. <laughs> um, and just right away from that song, just, you know, like I said, just killer, killer, killer grooves. And once yeah. you start diving into their albums, it just gets better and better the more you listen to it. Um, they also, they have Tom Morello, of course, and anyone that is familiar with those bands or Tom Morello, he can go crazy. I mean, he can go mm -hmm. off into outer space and make all kinds <laughs> of crazy noises and he's amazing. But you have Tim and Brad holding it down. They keep the groove going, they keep the song grounded, so that when he comes back from space, he's got somewhere to <laughs> land and jump right back in with them. Uh, they're also, what I love about them is they had huge success with two very big bands. Uh, to keep those three, to, three musicians together and just with a different vocalist was unbelievable. And it doesn't happen very often. I mean, there are bands that get a new singer, but this was not right. that. This was not that. Like, I mean, it is a totally different band. And but you still in the back, you've got Tim and Brad laying it down and putting that solid bedrock down for Morello to keep coming back to. Awesome. That's a good point because uh, we we had that challenge a while back about replacing a singer. Um, you know, if you could replace a singer with a, in a band and make it better. Right. And we were talking about how that doesn't happen very often where you can still keep that band and, and have it be successful because people are expecting one thing or another. But so that's a great point, a testament to them that they can just form something new and be just as successful. That's, I would say that's more rare than, than bringing on another singer and having that singer's, um, you know, reputation be what carries them. So I think that could be done easier than keeping three people together and making the band. So great, great choice, man. Thank you. Yeah. You know, and, and not to uh, get in the weeds, but I think it's important to talk about uh, a band like Rage Against the Machine in that when they first came out, 
you know, that's one of the things that I kind of miss these days. It, it happens, but not nearly as frequently in, in my experience with music. But when mm-hmm. a fresh sound comes out and it hits you just right, it becomes, you know, like a new thing to seek and, and kind of chase down. Um, you know, we, we kind of saw Rage Against the Machine in real time. You know what I mean? It's like, what is this band? The sound is just unreal. And, and you know, what Zach did vocally, it's like, this is angry, but it's not like the completely sludged metal that was out. You know what I mean? It was still heavy, mm-hmm. but it just had a lot of just grit versus a lot of overdrive. And, and uh, the grooves really resonated more than just the guitar blaring, you know, in your face with Marshall Stacks and the, the whole, you know, it wasn't stereotyped in, in that regard in, in the metal realm at all. So they really mm-hmm. lent a fresh perspective and even Primus for that matter. And, and uh, you know, bands like that where they just, they had an edge, but it wasn't. Um, the same as everybody else's edge, if you will. So, yeah. you know, I, I haven't really found too many bands that really strike me as, as incredible like that. I mean, Royal Blood, I've mentioned to them before, they're mm-hmm. a two-piece. So it seems mm-hmm. it seems like how this episode is kind of turning into truncated personnel in a band that's solid, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, there, there's just occasionally you get that these days, but I felt like it was a little more frequent back then just because um, there's a lot more experimentation. And it makes me wonder if just the oversaturation of information out there on the Internet, there's a lot of people that see something they love I want to do that too. Therefore, they create their own version of something that already exists. Does that make sense? Am I right. making sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. Oh yeah, for sure. <clears throat> but what they had, which was interesting, is that they had the rage, but they had the intelligence, and mm-hmm. they had the ability to just <laughs> kick ass on guitar like nobody else was doing at the time. I mean, they hit on all right. cylinders in every way possible. And it was such a fresh thing at the time. There was nothing that sounded even remotely like that. Uh, it it really did hit it, and you're right. I don't think I can think of anything recently that has even come close no. to achieving that. Yeah, they no. really changed the game. No. I mean, you know, there were a few things here and there that kind of hit on the rock and rap. You know, you had Walk This Way, of course, Run DMC, mm-hmm. and Aerosmith, and then you know Anthrax mm-hmm. with uh, Bring the Noise, <clears throat> awesome. You know, and the yeah. Chuck D was very involved, and in, well, Chuck and Flavor Flav, but uh, <laughs> you know that was Chuck definitely the intelligence behind. Yeah, that right. <laughs> that was yeah. definitely <laughs> awesome to see that, and then <clears throat> but then you have Rage come in, and it is definitely <clears throat> you know a mixing of the the heavy with the hip hop, but man, mm-hmm. it was just on its own level it was I, I mean what the music was so good and and what zach brought was god they were just like a force of nature what's interesting too is like everybody you say grunge and you think seattle right you know there's these cities that are associated with certain genres of music but because they came out of la you know, everything comes out of California, it seems like. So there's nothing notable to say, oh, that came out of L.A. But I read Maynard's uh, biography last year, or autobiography last year, and um, it's interesting how close they all were. And, you know, I mean, Maynard was on the first Rage album. But um, just to see that they were all playing, and actually they were all in clubs and, like, checking each other out. They were friends, but it was like they kind of were seeing who's going to really blow up first. I mean, Tool would 
go and watch Rage, Rage would go and watch Tool, and everybody would jam together in an, an apartment. And, you know, back in those days, so they kind of were, you know, forming these major bands that were going to come and change the game, too. It just, we don't, we don't say, well, they, they came out of this city, but they certainly were two bands that, that did that. And then I would argue to say, too, that uh, the Rock of Fire explosion changed the animatronic game <laughs> pretty heavily, too. <laughs> Amen, brother. Yeah, and we had. I mean, who would have Chuck E. Cheese today if we didn't have that evolution of, from them to the Chuck E. Cheese band? So that's <laughs> that's right. In our lifetime, can you believe it? History and innovation as we know it. What will happen twenty years from now in the entertainment pizza game? <laughs> Randy Rat, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes. Oh. oh snap! All right. Any last words <laughs> on the challenge this week? That was a good one. That was a great challenge. That was a good challenge. That was fun. Thank you, Metalhead. Nice choice. Glad you guys had fun with it. Okay, that brings us to the point in the show where we do our weekly review. And this week it is A Star is Born. And uh, our special guest, Metalhead Monday, just went to see that today. Yep. What would you think, Metalhead? You know, it, it was great. It really was. Uh, my wife, Lacey, and I, earlier this year... We saw the Barbara Streisand, Chris Christopherson version on Netflix. Woof. It was rough. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it starts, you know, at the very beginning, you got Christopherson. I, I love him. He's an amazing actor. He's a hell of a songwriter. But much like Bob Dylan, dude can write a song. He can't sing one to save his life. So that was a horrible <laughs> experience. Sitting through that. Don't mix words. Tell us how you really yeah. feel. So this one was very refreshing. As from the beginning, you have Bradley Cooper, who, surprise, can really sing. I mean, he's good. <laughs> so it kind of yeah. starts with him. You know, it's the same story. It's There's a guy, he's a singer and songwriter, and he's very popular. He's, he's a bit of a drunk. Stumbles into this bar, sees the girl sing, falls for her, brings her in, finds out she's a songwriter. She, They start writing and performing together. She goes off and becomes a huge star. He's still a drunk. But, you know, it's just kind of a slice of life drama with music. And this movie, I mean, it was really well done. It was very well done. Uh, well written, uh, well directed. The music was fantastic. Uh, it, it was really great. The, this this one was actually a pleasure to sit through. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, good. So, but yeah, uh, and I made some note, a few notes about some of the songs. Uh, not too many, but. Um, the, the song, I think it starts off, I think the on the soundtrack, the track listing is kind of how they appear in the movie. So, um, but the, the, the opening song, I think it's called Black Eyes, and man, it yes. is it is groovy. It, it, it's like yeah. straight up, kind bit of a southern rock feel, but man, it, it's got a great groove, rocking guitars, and uh, Bradley Cooper... Sounds fantastic singing it. That's a great song. I got to tell you, Jeremy, that's that's I, I listened to the soundtrack. I haven't seen the movie. 
and you're correct. When I heard that so, that song, I everybody said, "Oh, he can really sing," and then that song came on. I'm like, "Holy shit, this guy can really sing!" Yeah, and it great. sounded like a legit song <laughs> yeah. that yeah. you would hear. Totally agree. Yeah, I really loved it. That was great. Yeah. Um, my favorite song from the movie actually is uh, just him and a guitar, and it's the "Maybe It's Time," and the lyrics are great. They're very poignant. Yeah. Uh, just kind of sounds like he sounds like a down on his luck rocker singing about days gone by and what could have been and what has been. And it's just Mm -hmm. a beautiful, beautiful ballad. Very heartfelt. I know we're kind of jumping in on top of this, but that uh, I'm a lyrics guy too. And that, that struck me. I was really intrigued by the, the groove of the first song, but that song that you were talking about, like the lyrics got me on that one. I really yeah, like that good. one. What's interesting on that particular song too, um, I haven't had a chance to listen to the soundtrack. We haven't had a chance to go to the movie, so I'm sorry I didn't do my homework. But um, that particular song, I was looking at the track listing earlier today, and it looks like Jason Isbell wrote that oh, tune. Oh, he's so, awesome. Yeah, um, from Drive, Drive by, by Truckers. truckers and it, yeah. I, yeah, so you know, essentially, it looks like there might be some some new material sprinkled in into the movie as well. From you know, aside from the the classic film, right? Yes, uh, and yeah. By the way, I don't know how much they were involved in the writing because I didn't really research it. But they are his Bradley Cooper's band in the movie is Lucas Nelson and the Power of the Real. And that is mm-hmm. Willie Nelson's son, one of his sons, and his hmm. band, who have actually hmm. performed here in Kokomo at, at Foster Park. Wow, so, that's crazy. Yeah, I saw them. I saw them there, and I got a couple of their CDs, and they're a fantastic band. Side note, funny story. I, was, I went when I went to Nine Inch Nails. I went with a guy who had just who had seen Willie Nelson mm-hmm. recently, and he said, and we said, how would he sound? And he said he sounded not really that great. And I said, well, maybe he was sober that <laughs> night because <laughs> you know. <laughs> that long, you know. I don't know. Okay, uh, continuing. Uh, there's the song, the song where, that they first, okay, set it up. I, she kind of sings this song to him just kind of as an example of, because she basically does cover songs. She sings in the club. She sings cover songs. And he asks her if she has her own songs, and she kind of sings one to him just vocals and it's just kind of a snippet of a song so he takes that and kind of turns it into a song and basically pulls her up on stage in front of thousands of his fans to sing the song with him that he arranged from her lyrics that song is called shallow and it's the two of them singing together and it's out of this world i love how they played it in the movie because She, you know, she doesn't want to go on stage. She's petrified. She finally goes out there. He sings the first verse by himself. She goes out to sing the second verse and is kind of quiet and reserved and all of that. And then just starts belting it out. And it's, you know, Mm. Gaga is, she's amazing. She really is. Mm -hmm. She's a fantastic singer. And man, she's got some pipes. And this actually... This moment in the movie actually choked me up a little bit because it was very, very powerful. And it was just like her getting her first big break. And I mean, it was emotional. It was really, really fantastic. 
and her voice, man, when she just started going for it, it was it was very powerful and very moving. Was that the first time they sang together? Yes. In the movie? Yes. Yeah, okay. I love that, that she is able to do something like this now because, you know, when she came out, it was all about the outfits and the meat suit and all that. But as yeah. time has gone on, I mean, she's had a lot of stripped-down shows where she's just on a piano and she's singing and there's been interviews with her and she's so down-to-earth. She is just an extraordinary talent, um, mm-hmm. and she truly is amazing. Uh-huh. Just listening to the soundtrack, uh, fell in love with the songs. Um, I really want to see the movie now, especially with your recommendation. So, That's so yeah, good. Lady Gaga is something else. She's good. I was just going to say, I don't know if you, if Tony or, or Foggy, if you caught um, her performance with Metallica. Um, yes. that was really intense actually I know that they were mad at the, the tech um, apparently James's mic wasn't working on the right. live performance but somebody filmed the rehearsal yeah. so you could still hear mm-hmm. how it was supposed to go down 100% and that was you know the, the point is is she can you know pretty much work with anything yeah. I mean she's worked with Tony Bennett yes. you know from Tony Bennett to Metallica that's that's a cool extreme and to be able to, to deliver you know and, and exceed expectations you know she's got drive she's got push and that's exactly what um you know an artist strives for when you know they're yeah. all in so much respect in the grand scheme of things yeah. uh so i did have there was one wtf moment in the movie and because she kind of like she gets discovered through performing with him and this manager approaches her and wants to you know launch her own career and whatever and she goes off she comes becomes this huge pop star so she's when i listened to the soundtrack first before i or watching the movie there's a song called why did you do that and that song started playing and i heard the lyrics and i was like what in the hell is this because that one, it, I mean, it says something about, you know, it's talking about this this guy walking in with your ass in those jeans and something. So I was like, what, in the, what am I listening to? But it was funny. It was awesome. I was glad I heard that before I saw the movie because I really did not like that song at all. I thought it was ridiculous and just silly. And but that's how it plays in the movie. Like he, she's making a video for this song and he's there watching her. And then later they have this moment. He's like, but what, what are you doing? Like, what is this? This is dumb. This is blah, blah, blah. And like, who, who are you? And so that's kind of how they played it. So it was pretty great. But uh, what was the song called it's again? Called Why did you do that? I think it's a song my wife sings to me. Oh, I'll tell you. Oh. Uh, my last well thing, done, Rodney. My last thing I want to touch on for the movie is um, there was a couple couple of surprises for me going into this movie. I knew Dave Chappelle was in this movie. Um, it's not a huge part, but it's kind of an integral part, and he was fantastic. Uh, he's He's such a good actor. And, you know, he plays up the comedy, of course. He's a comedian, and he's amazing at that. But uh, this was really just a dramatic role for him, and he was great. So Chappelle was awesome. But the biggest surprise for me in this movie, I did not even know he was in it, Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> oh, He wow. plays Gaga's dad. And nice, he nice. is awesome. He is so good, so good. 
He's just like, you know, she's Italian. He plays, I think he's actually Jewish, but he mm -hmm. plays Italian very well. Um, so he's her dad and, you know, she still lives with him. And he's like, you know, mm -hmm. he's plays the, the proud father very well. And, it's, you know, there's a few very touching moments between the two of them. And, man, I, I mean, Dice killed it. He was fantastic. Did they have any uh, flashbacks of him reading nursery rhymes? To <laughs> Unfortunately, no. I was part of the movie. Maybe an after credit yeah, okay. scene or something, but no. Hickory, <laughs> Hickory <laughs> Duck. <laughs> Fantastic! Great review, Monday. Nice job. Definitely yeah. go see it if you get a chance, or whenever it comes on to whatever platforms you watch. I'd like to see it in a theater with the big sound yeah. and everything. Yeah, it's I mean, great. I think it would be. Yeah. I'm waiting for yeah. Laserdisc. There you go. <laughs> Yeah. I heard it's coming out on beta. This is revolutionary, folks. <laughs> nice. Hey, we um in our reviews we've been trying to say you know not only did you like it or not, but would you listen to it again? And now that you've seen the show, would you listen to it again? I would. Yeah, I don't know if this is something I would listen to like on a regular basis, like the, our soundtrack picks that we had last mm -hmm. week. But I would definitely revisit this, and I would definitely watch the movie again. Cool. Nice. Kudos. And let me, I got a question for you, Monday. Um, I understand that Lady Gaga had a stipulation with everyone that there would be no lip syncing in the takes, so it was actual performance. Did you, did that come across as such in the film? You know, not so much. Um, there was a couple of moments where it really looked like they were lip syncing, so I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I really, I, I don't know. I, it didn't, it struck me as like not any different than any other movie with performances in it. Okay. And, yeah. and it could be too. Um, Tony has experience with editing film. Sometimes dialogue syncs up well with, uh, you know, a particular take, but visually the take didn't stick. So it makes you wonder if maybe there's some subtle variation because they performed on one take and it sounded better than sure. it looked or something yeah. like that. So I, I'll yeah. be, I'll be curious to, to watch for that when I get a chance to see it. Yeah, and sometimes you can get to where the scene, the the audio was actually clean on set, and everything they're using is live, but the scene itself, it seems too clean. Like if you're in a crowd or something, mm -hmm. your your brain can't really process that that's not lip syncing because mm. you know movies would you know put in the sounds and all that stuff. So, um, so they may be using clean original audio, but then mixing it all in together, and it mm -hmm. might trick your brain a little yeah. bit. And if if I fell asleep, I'm sorry. Monday, did you give a number rating on it? I did not. Um, I would give the movie. Uh, I would give probably four, four and four and a quarter. And some change. Huh? Cool. I can dig that. I I listened to the nice. soundtrack. I'm going to give it a nine because <laughs> this is episode nine. And it's special. There you go. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and nine is how you start nine inch nails. Hey, I cannot believe I missed that. <laughs> That was an opportunity to make people drink. Right off the bat, they would have liked our show more. Oh. They've been okay. kind of loosened up. We're going to start over. Welcome to <laughs> Wandering. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well done, Monday. Before we move on, um, since it kind of like impromptu came up last week that we have a new segment, I thought on the fly I would see if we could get Nicholas Manson back in the studio <laughs> for a second. You rang. And, uh <laughs> Could you just give us a little bit of uh, Nicolas Cage doing uh, Sweet Dreams by Marilyn Manson? Sweet dreams are made of these. Who am I to disagree? 
Put the CD back in the jewel case. I love it. Okay. Don't okay. forget, at some point you got to scream. He's whispering or screaming at all times. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I have a child sleeping in an adjacent room. So I, I have to Wait kinda, for the daytime. Yeah. I, yeah. We, we were up late. That's why we're goofy because it's past, you know, it's Sunday night when we record this and, you know, <laughs> we've already gone through, sorry about that weird laugh, but we're all going through, <laughs> um, we're all going through the slap happy nature of getting ready for our Mondays. And, and so this is yeah. kind of that, that release before the Monday grind. Cool. I think every time we hear that weird laugh by JPP, that's a drink too. We had that the drink <laughs> okay. again. Sample that laugh, Paul. I, I'm going to sample it and put it yeah, randomly in the oh, show. Are you guys going to start doing it like a soundboard with the sound drops? I think we so. We need to. We need to. Monday's breathing, his laugh. I mean, we we got this thing set. Do you think at some point you can get my wife recorded making fun of me for Tom Sawyer? There you go. I can do that. Okay. I'm going to have her nice. call you and record yes. that for you. All right. All right. Anyway, let's let's get moving on with the new challenge. And uh, this week's challenge is brought to you by tea bags. My bags are burning. Okay. Wow. So um, I was thinking about how we used to find music, you know, back in the day. We're all of that era of reading an article. We've talked about it before. Reading an article or knowing somebody in the store or just getting suckered in by the album artwork or whatever. So my challenge this week is... By whatever method you want to find something, if you want to read a review or if you want to have somebody suggest it or if you want to just look through album thumbnails or whatever you want to do, you have to pick something first. And that is your choice to review. It has to be something you have not listened to. It's almost like just going to uh, Discount Den or Karma or something like that for the first time and uh, picking something up. So I want you to review a song you've never heard, but based on picking it uh, by whatever method you 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 go and get music today that makes sense that is so confusing <laughs> no i that's awesome so what he's saying is kind of take your old school method like you like pretend you're going through the record store oh, what's this band it looks interesting i'll go ahead and buy it and then um you know you give it a listen and and uh kind of get initial oppression but the rule as you're saying is you haven't been able to, you've never listened to it before so it, would you say yeah. even a band you're not even completely familiar with at all yeah, I kind of want you to just try to find a new song using some sort of method, whether that be you like the art or you somebody on a blog mentions it or however you find it. But it can't be something you've heard, and whatever you pick is your pick. You don't get multiple picks. So it's the it's the equivalent of buying a CD you've never heard and popping it in and then telling your friends whether they should get it or not. Cool. I, I actually had a buddy at work suggest a band. He's kind of a... He's into metal too a little bit, and he actually suggested a band I had never heard of. So, yeah, that'd be cool. Awesome. So what you're saying is, um, I, I thought I, I think I misunderstood in the beginning. Um, we don't have to use old methods. We just simply can't use like I can't use you for example, or I can't use Paul or Jeremy. I have to find some new way or some way to find something I've never heard before and review it. Yes. Or you could just browse through like Apple Music or Spotify right. or whatever, find okay. a cover you like or read an article, whatever. But yes, it doesn't have to be old school method all the way through. But and yeah, I don't think we should use each other because I kind of we all kind of know each other's tastes. So, mm -hmm. yeah, perfect. I th yeah. At first, I thought you were going to make me go to Karma and look through the import section. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, those are expensive. Yeah, I know. Damn. 
Awesome. That's a great challenge. I love it. Thank you. Cool. Fantastic. All right. So, roundtable. What are we listening to this week? Monday. Uh, actually, I have been super busy this week, and I have not had a chance mm-hmm. to listen to much else than what I was talking about. Uh, but when I, I have said before, I, when I'm at work, I mostly listen to podcasts and I had a new one that was actually a finite mini series that wrapped up this week, this past week, it's eight episodes. Uh, so it's not like super dense to get into, but it's called Halloween unmasked and it's kind of all Hmm. about the movie Halloween. And I mean, it tackles every Every episode tackles it from a different direction. You know, they talk to the usual suspects, John Carpenter, Jamie Lee Curtis. They talk to Danny McBride and David Gordon Green, who did the new one. Um, they have an episode where they, she has a, a Halloween expert on, like a Halloween 3, the movie, expert on to defend Halloween 3. And I mean, it, it, it goes all over the place. It's uh, there's nothing more you could possibly want to know about Halloween and all of the sequels and everything after you listen to this podcast. It was pretty great. Awesome! That sounds really good. JPP, I haven't listened to a lot of uh, external music, meaning you know, I, I kind of shut off my playlists this week, and the reason being is. Uh, I've been helping some family move as we've kind of talked about the past few weeks. They're in this weekend, so the dust has settled. Um, kind of taking on some of my own projects in my free time and kind of focusing on arranging some new material for a JPP release. So I've been listening to myself, yes. but only because I'm working on it. And um, there are times when I do it that I try to weed out any external influence. So I'm just kind of in my own head and in my own space to work on it instead of getting outside influence. Um, You know, there are times when it's like, I definitely want to seek some inspiration or kind of get fired up through other means. But um, I just wanted to be in the trenches and just kind of dig in and and really uh, be meticulous on, you know, what some of these tunes need. At this point, I'm in the arrangement phase. I've got most of the instrumentation and kind of the grooves laid out and I'm just trying to get the sections to work in a cohesive fashion and see see where they need to build. So um, I've been super fired up, not to turn it into a shameless pu- plug segment by any means, but um, it's just been exciting just because we've been talking about music and artists these past, uh, what, nine weeks now? And um, it's just really kind of uh, supercharged my own fuel cells, if you will, uh, to get back in and, and start working on some of my own stuff. I can't wait. You know that <laughs> we're friends, but I'm also a huge fan. Yeah, so I still I still get texts. When, when am I getting some new JPP? Come on, damn it! <laughs> yeah. So for for those that love JPP, I'm pushing him. Yes, <laughs> I have been for years. Yes, exactly. He's my personal uh, trainer on get yeah. your stuff out. <laughs> tea bags. Yeah, and you, you also is pushing Paul, and Paul is pulling <laughs> tea bags. I don't know. This is the strangest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah. Well, yeah. kids, and Paul, time to go Paul to bed. Also, <laughs> Paul also said. Um, he almost said uh, a shameless pug instead of plug, <laughs> which, man, I wish we had a shameless pug on the air. He's got a Frenchie, so a, that's It's a dog that just didn't give a... <laughs> yeah, I do have a French bulldog, but he's not shameless by any means. <laughs> yeah. All right. Tony, what you listen to? Okay. Um, my recommendations this week are uh, a song called Free Animal by a band called Foreign Air. Um, 
another one called The Only Thing We Know by Bob Moses. Two totally different songs. I tend to tend to go kind of across the board <laughs> during the week. Um, but then a couple of things. Um, the mid-90s soundtrack came out. Um, the part that Trent and Atticus did. It was four songs and surprisingly like piano heavy and really beautiful. So I would say check that out. Then Paul sent me a... Uh, a meme on Instagram and it was talking about um, Nine Inch Nails performing and all that could have been. And I thought he was joking and he's like, no, they did that in Chicago because they've never played it before. And that's like 17 years ago when they recorded it. Mm -hmm. So I went and watched it. And luckily the first recording I found was a beautiful recording of it. And uh, that song, that album, that era, everything has a really, really like particular special meaning to me. And so I listened to it. Um, it was great. Immediately went home. I sent Paul a picture. I put it up on the screen, put it in through the sound system in the living room and just watched it again. Tried to relive it as closely as possible. But uh, so that's actually been on repeat through YouTube over and over and over again. So there's probably 100,000 views that are me <laughs> on there. And then um, and then uh, lastly, since uh, Jeremy brought up podcasts, uh, I have a friend, Ben Rutz, who he and a friend named Eric down in North Carolina, they do a podcast called Genre Flip. And the premise is awesome. It's basically, uh, they just take a movie and they say, well, what if this was this, you know, but, uh, and to, to kind of tie into the Halloween thing they're one of their latest ones on October 19th, they put one out called what if Halloween starred Mike Myers, like the actual <laughs> Mike Myers. <laughs> and <Sure>. so, uh, <laughs> yeah, they talk about that kind of stuff, but they're, they're, uh, they're, they have really great things. Like what if Fargo was an air bud movie? <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> yeah if you get a chance check out genre flip uh they're on kind of all the podcast things i found them on stitcher that's awesome uh you know tony i, I you know gave you the heads up on on that with that meme um and for tony and or i'm sorry with for foggy and monday the the meme was uh keanu reeves kind of sitting there looking all mopey <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like i didn't go to the show and miss them playing that in the song hmm. but uh I, I i did listen to that too but um you know, I wasn't seeking out and, and focusing on tunes, but yeah, I did watch that performance. Um, the, the, the video did, that you saw, did you see like Hurt tied into it at the end as well, or was it just that song? I did see that one too. Um, there was one that was longer with him in, uh, introducing the band too. Mm -hmm. I've watched a couple different versions of it, so I can't remember exactly which one was first, but then there's one that's filmed pretty low, like right in between people, and they're pretty close to the stage. Yeah. And that was a good, that was a really good recording too. That, yeah, that's the take that I watched. And, you know, I just felt like it made you feel like you were in that moment. And um, mm -hmm. uh, it was, it was really cool to see them pull that off. And because I always thought that would mean, uh, of course, a lot of Trent's songs are going to be tough to pull off with uh, instrumentation and, and just the general nature of how everything's spaced out. That song yeah. in particular is one that has a lot of depth and dimension. So I was really floored that they they pulled it off the way they did yeah and i think uh, i won't go too too much deeper into this but like steve was even saying with rush and things like that you put something out there and then later on you tweak it or live sounds a little bit different mm -hmm. and um how they did the ending with like uh you know you meant everything to me that whole ending part mm -hmm. uh was different than the album version and it was actually i think i kind of like the live version better now so cool good stuff yeah oh awesome. stevie what are you listening to <clears throat> Oh, man, I've been listening to a library <laughs> of stuff. No, not really. Um, of course, you know, after Monday issued the challenge, uh, I did dig into a little rush. I would just say this. I would uh, throw out a couple of songs for everybody to listen to. Uh, Malignant Narcissism 
and Digital Man. Ex- just amazing bass work. Everybody should check that out just for that. And uh, Bravado, which is another song. It's a, it's a much slower song. Uh, has amazing lyrics, which Neil, the drummer, writes all the lyrics for all their songs. But it's really a departure from his usual uh, way that he drums. Uh, there's not a lot of drum fills, and it's not real heavy. It's almost like a backward way to play the drums. It's really interesting. You guys should check that out. Um, and then other than that, uh, I built shelves over the past week, so I listened to a lot of pad- podcasts. Uh, Monday and I listened to a lot of the same podcasts, but this week I listened to uh, a few, for sure. Um, I Fanboy, which is just a comic uh, podcast, which these guys started in college, and they're still doing to to this day. It's a great one. Hockey Central, uh, I love listening to that because I love listening to uh, Canadians talk. It's always entertaining. And uh, Word Balloon, um, it's just a great conversation. I love listening to people have conversations. And that is a conversation about comic books. Love that. And uh, so that's pretty much what I've been listening to all week, other than uh, listening to the soundtrack to the movie. So that wraps it up for me. Hey, what's going on for everybody this week, or where can we find you, JPP? You can find me at JustPlainPaul.com. If you want to hit me up on social, Facebook, it's JPP Invasion. Or you can always find me on Snapchat or Instagram at JustPlainPaul. If you want to hit me up via email, it is JPP at WanderingsAndWoolGathering.com. Where's the best place we're going to find you for any new uh, new uh, info about your uh, material coming out? That will be on JustPlainPaul.com. I, I will be updating the website with snippets and, and uh, details on how things are progressing. Excellent. Monday, what's going on? Where can we find you? Uh, just You can contact me directly at longhairmonday at gmail.com. Excellent. Teabags. I'm actually going to trade in being found for reading you a part of the Rock of Fire Explosion Wikipedia page. <laughs> so <laughs> real quick, just to wrap this up here. Uh, it's, a, it's fantastic. Otherwise, I wouldn't even give up this opportunity. But okay, so Billy Bob Broccoli, bass and vocals. A brown bear from the South who wore yellow and red overalls, played a wooden banjo, was the mascot for Showbiz Pizza throughout (laughs) its existence. His image was most of his chain's merchandise. Sweet and naive, Billy Bob usually was a mediator to the band's minor onstage squabbles. And then Duke LaRue, who was drums and vocals, was a mongrel who aspired space travel and wore a space-themed suit. Slightly dim-witted, Duke would often lose focus during the shows. Mrs. Q's, the character is unique in that when set up properly, (laughs) he has the ability to actually play a four-piece drum kit in time with the music. You're welcome. (laughs) Stevie, where can we find you? (laughs) Laughing at Duke LaRue. (laughs) 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 Well, you can find me at uh, Foggy's Pal on Twitter, Instagram. Find me over at uh, uh, BreakTheForth.com. Editing, writing pieces on entertainment. And I really have nothing new coming out or anything like that. Just these awesome podcasts. And I really hope that we have reached the pantheon of the number nine. Because next week, (laughs) I promise you, it's going to be a perfect ten. All right. I think that wraps it up. And we will see you next week with episode ten. See ya. Fellow wool gatherers, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Now it's time to get social. Add us on Instagram at Wanderings and Wool Gathering. If you're on Facebook, you can find our page also at Wanderings and Wool Gathering. 
If you're on iTunes, please feel free to drop us a review. We'd love to know how we're doing. And if you follow us on social, please comment and add to the community. We would love to know your thoughts on the challenges and the music we share. There's lots of music out there, and we'd love to talk about it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Mm-hmm.